my father looked me in the eye and told me, you're not my daughter. And that, Roni, that broke me into just, it's undescribable. And he planted a seed in my head that lasted for years. And I completely lost the sense of who am I? Welcome to And Then Everything Changed, a podcast about the pivotal moments in life and decisions that define us. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. Today, my guest is Sophia Husnan. She's a registered nurse, an author, speaker, and founder of Woman Disrupted. Welcome, Sophia. Hi, Ronit. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. We've been talking about getting you on for a little bit, and I'm so happy the day yes. is finally here. So thank you for making the time to talk with me today. Of course. And thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh, I just, I love it. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, I've seen your work and I've seen the interviews you do, and I know that you just launched Woman Disrupted, and I would love to know mm-hmm. a little bit about that. Oh my gosh, yes. So this is uh, a brand new platform that... Um, I created actually just this past month um, in September. And it's really a dream come true because I wanted to create a platform for women that have really been shaken to the core. Like, I mean, like the core by life. Mm -hmm. And these are women that have just overcome the most incredible adversities, challenges, setbacks. I mean, you name it. These are women that are, survivors of sexual abuse. These are women that, you know, have been handed just the most difficult cards by life in all ways, shape or form, you know, whether it be diagnosed with a chronic illness or surviving an abusive relationship or, you know, abandoned by um, parents or, you know, whatever life threw at them, they made their comeback because of the struggles that they endured and they would nearly not be the people that they are today had it not been for those experiences. Mm -hmm. So Woman Disrupted really tells the story of that woman that um, didn't let life, you know, run her over, that fought back and, you know, whatever life threw at her, she threw it right back. (laughs) So, So it's basically that story. It's that platform and that's who we celebrate and that's who we um, basically, you know, we, we celebrate not just our wins, but also the challenges because they were, you know, hidden, hidden blessings. Mm -hmm. And what was the catalyst for you? What made you realize, I mean, it's probably a multi-part answer. So Mm -hmm. in your answer, I would love to know when you first conceived of it and when did you first begin it? And then I guess the third part of that is what inspired you to do it. But I can, Mm -hmm. we can unpack all of that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it, a lot of it had to do with my own story and a lot of the stories of women that I would meet in my journey as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I started hosting events for women uh, actually last year um, was kind of my very first women's conference. And and just the outpouring that we had of women that that, you know, came and attended and the ones that spoke and just I mean, the community that we built and the stories that I would hear and um, just the level of inspiration that I found in other people's stories Mm -hmm. and just knowing that the immense power that we have in the power that we have in our stories is something that the world needs to know about. And, and there's so many women struggling 
right now, I mean, this year has, you know, obviously brought its own set of challenges, mm-hmm. but when is life ever not challenging, you know, right. <laughs> whether it be 2020 or any other year, life is never certain, but, but I feel like, you know, it's, it's such a blessing for us now to be that light for others and to have a platform where women that, um, have overcame and, you know, it's never really, our story never ends. Um, we're, we're still a work in progress as well, but those that have overcome their shadows and who have, who are able to be that light for others. I mean, I couldn't think of a better, a better platform for women to be able to come together and do that. So, so it was a combination of my own story, other women's stories, and just wanting to have, have a home for those that are trying to find their own way back to shore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So being a lighthouse. Like how Mm -hmm. you, you say that about, you know, the, the backstory and like, for me, I'm thinking about backstory and these stories of our becoming and how we never, I don't know that we ever get to a full stop place where everything is great. Mm-hmm. Like, as you said, 2020 has been um, a banner year for trauma and worry and anxiety. But I suppose it just brings into focus what can it be in existence for people anyway. Like some people live under duress a lot of the time. And maybe 2020 is different because it brought kind of a bigger picture anxiety and trauma to most of us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when you think about your upbringing and you said that you've overcome a lot of different things, and I know from an earlier conversation that some of this has to do with childhood and some of this has to do with adulthood and health, but what what would you mark as the moment when you realized, huh, and, and this might even be going really far back, but I'm not sure, my life is is not that fun right now or my life is kind of difficult. Hmm. Ooh. Um. Oh my gosh. And you know, I had those moments a couple times um, in my adulthood. Uh, you know, obviously, you and I talked before, and you know, talking about you know being immigrants and and. Um, but for me, the first time I felt that just that deep, just sense of hopelessness and despair and darkness and just knowing that there is no way out. And that's why, you know, I feel like I can resonate with so many women that are in that position because I was once there and that's who the, you know, the woman disrupted platform represents. But, but I, I, I felt that moment in my life when I was 20 years old and I was diagnosed with a chronic lifelong autoimmune disease that has no known cause and no known cure. And basically I was the only one in my family that, um, is, I like to call it blessed with this condition because it truly changed my life. Um, you know, the first few years were definitely dark, but then I found that light that I had deep down within myself that, you know, I was able to, that led me down the path that I am now. But I felt that, um, that was one time. And then the second time was when my father looked me in the eye and told me, you're not my daughter. And that, Roni, that broke me into just, it's undescribable. And he planted a seed in my head that lasted for years. And I completely lost the sense of who am I and whose daughter am I? And how could this person, and and granted, he was no, you know, ideal father to begin with, but Mm -hmm. the sense of identity that I had, you know, my whole life that, you know, I'm this man's daughter and you know I and and 
he's my father and and whatever and he and and it was kind of a and it obviously a an an indirect accusation to my mother and you know um attacking her character and just you know having this concept of a bastard baby that in our culture especially is like oh my gosh you're so like the bottom can you of the tell me so how old were you when he said that to you I was 22, uh, turning 23 at that time. And so Mm -hmm. can you take me back? Because I know that you weren't raised here and I know that your mom was a single mom. And Mm -hmm. that alone is such a different way to grow up, especially in your culture. So can you take me back? So I was born uh, in Pakistan and my mom at the time um, was an American citizen. She had been living in the States since like the early 70s. And, um, but she decided to go back home and, um, and my sister and I were born overseas. And there's a lot about my mom that I don't know. Like there's a lot about her past that's still very much of a, of a secret and it, you don't talk about it. It's very hush hush. It's very, um, and culturally I feel that's, that's normal (laughs) that you don't question your parents. You don't question your faith. You, you're, you, you do as you're told. But basically, I, I um, we, we would come back to the States to visit some, you know, family members and we would go back and kind of do a back and forth. But but I lived in Pakistan until I was about 11 years old. And uh, it was just my mom, my sister and I. So and Pakistan is a very male dominant country, very third world, very poor corruption, just you name it. And women, um, women are very much less than second class citizens. And for my mom to be a single parent and she's, you know, a very you know, good looking woman. I mean, I saw sexual harassment just from a very young age. We were robbed at gunpoint. We were, you know, constantly um, just living in fear of every time the doorbell would ring or every time, you know, there'd be a knock at the door, like, oh my God, who's that at the door? How did she make ends meet? Did she have family to help her or to buffer her? Um, Honestly, she, my mom tried to uh, hold a job, but she would get just such harassment from her male, you know, uh, managers and employers that she wouldn't be able to hold down a job because they would constantly be trying to, you know, get her to do. Well, she was unmarried and, and even and, married women uh, would experience that, but you're saying, you know, she was mm-hmm. sort of adrift, right? I mean, and what decade was this? Yeah, exactly. So this was in the nineties mm-hmm. and, and, um, and so we were, we were very poor. We were basically living off of just the little savings that she had, um, you know, and, and back home you you open a savings account and you get a little bit of a payout every month. Um, that would probably be the equivalent of probably $50 here. Now that I think back to it. Um, and she had negotiated a deal with our school to give us a lesser school fee. And, you know, we, we really, I mean, I remember times where there was nothing, um, to eat. Um, and, you know, sometimes we would get favors from neighbors, um, did you have and school? It was just, like, did you yeah. have friends at school, or were you ostracized at all for this? Mm-hmm. No, we did. We had friends at school, but my mom was always very overprotective, so we were never allowed to, mm-hmm. you know, go visit friends at their houses or, you know, um, have anybody over. So it was very just my sister and I, just you know, always playing by ourselves. Very, you know, no, no male influence in our lives whatsoever. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was very rough. It was rough, but um, you know, she obviously. And, and that's why I, as much as I sometimes don't agree with, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that with, you know, our yeah. parents and, and their choices, mm-hmm. but 
that respect that I have for my mother will never go away, regardless of how much I'm mad at her or how much I disagree with her. Mm-hmm. That respect factor, because she made that choice to still stay in Pakistan and, and live there in that environment when she she always had that out. She could always have she could have brought us back to the States, but she wanted us to grow up there because she wanted us to understand and learn about our culture and and appreciate our roots and where we're from. So when I was 11 years old, my sister was 13. She finally made that call that, yeah, we need to leave. I can't do this anymore. I can't work. I can't, you know, my girls are growing up and they're seeing all of this, um, just the negative part of that environment. And, you know, um, and, and, our, and we, our financial situation was very just at, at its width then. So we finally decided to move to the States in 2001. Um, and I, I was in seventh grade and, and that came with a whole new sure. <laughs> set oh of challenges. Gosh. And, and, but, you know, she, my mom was really my, my real life hero just because of everything that she endured. And, and actually she was married um, and she still is married, but she raised us as a single parent because her and my father, um, well, my stepfather, they, um, lived separately their whole lives and well, that, and although he knew well, wait, wait, yeah I know I, I have so many questions other, like so I so know. when you were in Pakistan where did you understand that your father was what was the understanding for you so um the story goes that my mother was married and um they got divorced and then she remarried to my now father mm-hmm. who I thought was my father but when I was around nine or ten years old I was told that he's not my real father. And this other guy is my father, the, her first husband. And so that was kind of a shocker, like, Oh, okay. So dad's not really dad. Okay. Well, this is interesting. Um, but they were both very much not a part of our lives at all growing up, although they knew, um, they knew all the struggles we had, but they never stepped up and, you know, um, anything like that. So, but when I, when I was in my twenties and, you know, my sister and I, we really tried our best to have a relationship and, you know, reaching out and, um, to have a relationship with my mom's first husband, who, uh, according to her, was our real father. And he was the one who told me, you're not my daughter. And he accused my mother of cheating, of having an affair with her now husband. And that's um, basically how I was born. Oh. And Same with uh, your sister? Roni, um, so, so he claimed that my sister was his, but I wasn't. So like that we were I guess, half sisters or whatever. Um, and so literally, Ronit, I had to do a DNA test just to prove it. Because obviously my mother was like, no way, he's a liar. And, and you know, and then you get stuck in this kind of back and forth. You're stuck in the middle of, yeah. of just, oh my gosh. So I literally had to, you know, trust science and <laughs> go down the, the DNA path because it, it implanted the seed in my sure. head that just festered and grew because for the longest time I was like, I don't care. He was a deadbeat dead anyway, you know, all this. <laughs> but then part of me was like, I do care. I do care because I need to prove it to myself. And, and I, and I kind of almost want to prove my mother right. Yeah. Because any man can just say anything yeah. about a woman's character. And lo and behold, the DNA test proved that I was his. Ah, I am his okay. daughter. So, and I, I begged my sister. I'm like, give me his email. I want to send this to him and like, like in your face, you know, you're wrong. And, you know, but, but part of me is, so I'm, I'm trying to learn to forgive and just, Well, did you, know, you ever tell him? Um, no, we have actually no contact with him at all. And he actually lives in California. So now he's actually, he used to live in Pakistan as well. And now he's literally a plane right away 
you know, for what, four hours. Uh, literally, um, my sister actually, and I uh, I was so mad at her for this. She still tried to be the good daughter and do her good daughter duty. So she sponsored him to move to the States um, to have a better life as well. Uh-huh. And he still never wanted a relationship with her, even though she basically changed his life. And now he's living in California. He's remarried and all this. That's he still doesn't want anything to do with us. So, yeah, so- it's very dirty and just with murky waters <laughs> a lot also, of emotions it sounds like and, you're not getting a lot of mm-hmm. I mean am I right that you're not getting a lot of extra feedback from other family to like prove or tell you things is everyone pretty hush hush about it oh very much very much um everybody all the elders in our family have skeletons in their closets so every time they try to you know lecture us or say how we're the worst kids I'm like uh okay no <laughs> You don't get to do that to us. The things you guys were doing in the 70s and the back in the day. No, stop. I'm very intrigued also by, there's so many layers to look at here, but I'm intrigued by the difference between you and your sister. I have a younger sister, so we're about the same age difference Mm -hmm. as you and yours. And I'm I'm the older one. And it's, it's interesting because you both have dealt with it a little bit differently. Do you, do you talk about your dads at all now or do you just leave it alone? Um, we used to a lot when we were younger, but you know, Ronit, now, you know, we're both married. We have our own kids. We're, we're in a different stage in life now because growing up, you know, we never had our dads, both of them around, never had a, never had a brother, never really even had a close, you know, male cousin or just, we always lacked that male, that powerful male influence, a positive, you know, positive role model. So we yearned for that for years. I mean, we were just so desperate for a man's love. And it almost sort of, for my sister at least, it really impacted her marriage because literally the first guy she dated out of college, she married him. And whether or not, (laughs) I hope she's not going to listen to this, but... (laughs) But, you know, I, I mean, but I'm sure she'll agree whether or not that was the right choice. Um, I don't know. But literally the first man that gave her love, attention um, was like, oh, my God, I'm going to cling on to you because I have no one else. And um, for, for myself, you know, I, I always craved that attention as well, you know, just because I would see my friends with their fathers and just, you know, having good role models. And, and I never had that because a mom can do so much, you know, like my mom, she'll say, oh, I was your mom and your dad. I'm like, no, mom, a a child still needs a father's love. And you can't fill that gap, even though I know you you did a kick ass job. You you raised us to the best of your abilities. But but so now that I see my daughter with my husband, it's so heartwarming because I never had that. And so I'm able to give that to her. And it's just the most beautiful thing to watch them together. That's healing. I feel like that's healing. Very healing. Did you, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a mirror image in in some ways of your experience because my father was the one who stuck around and my mom left. And so, you know, a a girl so needs her mom during those, especially for, well, always, but those formative years. And so that was really tough. And I had the male influence, but I desperately missed the female influence. And I wonder for you, did you, did you have a hard time with relationships? Because when you were talking about that, and even Mm -hmm. before you mentioned your sister's approach, I wondered how that was. Because for me, um, personal and intimate relationships that I really cared about were difficult for me because I had this Mm -hmm. push-pull situation, this, this absence and then this push-pull thing. So did you, Mm -hmm. did you stumble into, did you stumble around with relationships or did you kind of have Mm -hmm. your head on straight? Oh, gosh, I wish. <laughs> you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, God, the poor decisions that you make, you know, as sure. a teenager and just, oh, my gosh. Um, so my sister was always mom's right hand. Like she was the golden child, just 
I mean, she did everything my mom ever asked her to do. She was just the perfect child. And, but when it came time, when it came time for her marriage, she, she chose a love marriage when I, which in our culture is almost sort of like, I don't want to say look down upon, but it's not desired. It's always, it's always a good thing to have your parents input in, you know, your marriage and who you marry and everything. And everybody in my family was against the guy that my sister married. And, but she used that card against my mom that, you know, mom, I always did everything you wanted, but this is what I want. This is my life. I love him and blah, blah, blah. Right. So when it came my turn, I'm the younger one. And I was just a rebel growing up. Oh my gosh. (laughs) sneaking out of the house, getting kicked out of the house, just, you know, awful. Um, and so, yes, I dated and they were abusive relationships for sure. Drugs were involved. It was just a hot mess. And I got, you know, with the wrong crowd and I was doing things that were very much just um, my poor mother. I'm just so happy she'd never had a heart attack because, oh my gosh, I, it was bad. It was really bad. So I got married when I was 19. Oh my goodness. Because... Because my mom wanted to basically lock me down <laughs> because I was such a wild child, Ronnie. She was like, you're either going to end up in jail. You're going to end up pregnant. Something's going to happen. Like, you need to stop. Like, so basically I was in an arranged marriage. Um, I didn't know my husband at all. He, uh, the families knew each other. So um, my dad, although he wasn't really involved in our life, he knew my husband's father um, and they were, they had a really good relationship. So so my husband lived in London at the time. We flew over there, met the guy. And, you know, I'm, I'm a 19-year-old girl. I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't have nearly the level of maturity. And I just thought of it as a free trip to London. Why not? <laughs> and uh, But when I met my husband, I mean, he was so kosher, Ronit. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, he's never done. He's never smoked a cigarette. I love that you just used the word kosher. Thank kosher. you. Kosher. He was so kosher. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, this is awful. Like I'm going to ruin this guy's life. So here I am. And we knew each other for a couple days. You know, the families, they gave us time to like talk and, you know, whatever, get to know each other a little bit. And I told them, I'm like, listen, boo, like, okay, this is my past. This is who I am. I've done some bad things. You're, if you don't want to do this, I get it. It's fine. And he was like, nope, like, let's do it. And so oh we were engaged after a couple of days and then I flew back to the States and I'm like, what the hell did I just do? Oh my gosh. But he flew to the States. Um, he finally got his fiance visa and he moved here, um, in 2010. And then we got married. I was, and actually around the same time where I, where we legally got married and he moved here was the same time that I got diagnosed with my condition. So it was a very interesting time uh, in our lives and just adjusting to a new marriage and an arranged marriage for that, for that matter. I don't know this guy and he doesn't know me. And it was a very interesting time. So, um, but yeah, now it's been what 10 years and we have a two year old. And so, you know, you, it's, it's a different kind of love. Mm, um, interesting. And cause you're so, very you're different. so modern mm-hmm. and contemporary in so many ways, especially very. with the causes mm-hmm. that you, that you support and you put out there. No, you're right. It's, a, it's, he's very traditional. So I like that because I feel like I needed that balance. And now with my daughter, it's perfect. So what's your perspective on arranged marriages? You know, I've seen it go both ways. I've seen it where it works out and when it doesn't. But in my case, my husband is very traditional. He's very, a lot more religious, you know, just very close to his culture and his roots than than I am. And I I felt like it was a good balance for me. And now with my daughter, um, it's definitely good to, you know, because his family lives overseas. So now we travel there every year, every other year to visit them. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice to have that 
to have roots there again that because all my family has moved to the States. So it gives me a reason to go back and visit and to introduce my daughter to the culture. And um, so in my case, it worked out. Obviously, we have our issues as well, but um, but it's 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 a gamble. I mean, because I've seen it both ways. So, um, yeah, it's I just think it's marriage in and of Mm -hmm. itself is just tough. It's just (laughs) it's just it's never an easy road. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but once you once you went for it and you decided to and you guys decided, OK, we're going to go ahead with this. Did you I mean, it sounds like and tell me if I'm wrong about this, even if you'd had doubts or second thoughts, you weren't going to. act. I, on that. You know, I I saw what my mother went through with my sister um, and her relationship and just the level of disappointment that she felt. Mm. And in a way, I almost felt like I had to make my mom proud because growing up, I always felt like my, like my mom was never proud of me or she never, you know, I I could never be at the same level as my sister. Like I always kind of had this deep down, just yearning for my mother's, um, uh, approval almost because Mm -hmm. I was the troublemaker and always, you know, um, uh, so I almost felt like this deep sense of, I have to do what mom says. And because she knows what's best for me. And obviously I don't, because I've been in all these crappy relationships and, um, It wasn't really a pressure, but it was just a deep sense of I got to do this for my parents. You know, I got to I got to right these wrongs that I've done. And there's nothing wrong with this guy. I can't even pinpoint something that I don't like. I mean, yeah, the physical attraction was kind of. eh, But, you know, I was like, I got to look deeper than that Um, because I did date guys that I was physically attracted to. But it was just a horrible relationship. So I had to kind of look beyond some of those external things and just just trust with all my heart that they were making the right decision for me. It is really an interesting story because Mm -hmm. you and your sister were so different. And really what you've just outlined is that she was so compliant and she did everything that was expected of her. And then she sort of went off. Like she just kind of like did Mm -hmm. her own thing when she decided to get married. She, you know, she was deciding for herself for the first time. And then you who had decided for yourself a lot decided to finally go compliant when it came to your marriage Mm -hmm. and it's your conversations must be so rich (laughs) I can only imagine (laughs) oh my god and nobody expected everybody expected my sister to you know do the arranged and and everything but but um you know she she chose her path and um and for both of us it wasn't really an easy road but she had her own set of challenges with her marriage and I had my own but you know, um, at the end of the day, I mean, she's, she's happy and, you know, obviously that's great. And I'm happy with, you know, where I am. And I've, I've found, I have found to be content in just small, you know, wins and small happinesses and just, because maybe I'm at a different level in my life now too than before. And, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, your marriage progresses through different phases and, um, but our priorities are so much different now with our daughter Mm -hmm. and just, so I feel like we're all in a good place now, but obviously the the journey um, that brought us here was definitely not pretty. Like my story with my dads and just that whole, it wasn't really an easy road, but, uh, you know, that's what makes it so beautiful. That's what makes the story so amazing and mm-hmm. impactful. Do, do you feel, <laughs> do you feel proud of yourself or, I mean, what do you, are you, are you happy that you found your way to this life? in, in this shape come, you know, when you look back on how you were raised and what you were missing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I I still struggle a lot with self-approval. I'm very hard on myself. I uh, I <laughs> am very much type A, just a perfectionist and just wanting to always achieve that perfection that doesn't exist. And, and um, you know, I, I would like to think that I am, but there are days, Ronit, um, that I, you know, and I'm sure everybody has those that, you know, what am I doing here? Like, I could be... XYZ, I could be doing so much better and I need to up my game and I need to do this and I need to do that. But then at the end of the day, you know, I, I really like to just hone in on the gratitude and just really, um, look at where I was and, you know, because it's, it's, it's always important to look at the past to know where you're going in the future, you know, don't get mm-hmm. stuck in the past, but I, I definitely think it navigates your future and where you're going. But, but yeah, I feel like gratitude helps a lot. Um, a lot and just living each day the best you can and just being being grateful because especially when I go visit back home and I just see what's around me it's um, and that's kind of my why as well for for my businesses is that that wanting to help women that are there that are home you know where I where I came from and being that light for them not just women here but also there where there are zero resources Mm -hmm. so that propels me forward and that you know really pulls the heartstrings and really it brings tears because I see what these little girls go through and just the amount of abuse and just things that are oh my gosh happening even now um over there and so um but yeah. Do you think they have a path out? Do you think there's a way? Unfortunately for women back home, you know, if you're born lower class, um, it's very, very hard, especially for a woman to climb the ladder and and make a you know financial pathway for her family. It's very, very difficult. Um, I mean, the, the amount of grooming that I see, uh, you know, like the boys go to school and the girls stay home and learn how to do, you know cooking and taking care of their husbands and just it, that that mentality is still very much alive over there and um with the new generation things are improving but especially for um people that grow up literally like the movie Slumdog Millionaire I mean that that is reality I mean that is literally how people live and and uh, it's very sad it's very sad to see um the amount of you know the illiteracy and just um I mean, there's, there's orphanages that are, they look like orphanages, but really they're just sex trafficking rings. And, you know, it's just, um, it's, it's just very just, yeah. Do you think that people who, people like you or people who can come and go and leave, I mean, how do you, how do you, what do you do with all that sadness Mm -hmm. or that worry? How do you? It's, it's hard. Oh my God, Ronit. Like I love visiting home, but I hate just, yeah. That they that emotional side of it. I mean, it's it's. I I I'm grateful that I see it and it's so fresh in my head all the time that I don't forget. Like I can never forget the things that I see and just um and you know as my daughter gets older you know showing her empathy and you know the the power in um, philanthropy and living your life for others, not just for your own selfish needs. Um, Mm -hmm. And just having that why I think is just so huge because there are days obviously in our businesses where we just want to slack off and just, you know, not, not put in the work. But then I think about the hundreds of lives, thousands of lives that are dependent on my obedience to my business and the discipline, because, 
you know, money isn't everything, but it ranks right up there with oxygen. That's <laughs> by, you know, Zig Ziglar. <laughs> and you need money to that financial platform to do so much good in the world. And, um, you know, thanks to entrepreneurship, it's so possible. You don't have that ceiling that a lot of women still face in the workforce. So it's amazing. Um, so can you talk um, about what your what your ultimate goal is with with the various mm -hmm. businesses and entrepreneurship that you're pursuing? You know, growing up, I always wanted to serve and I was all about community and really being, you know, um, a beacon for others. And, and I chose nursing as my career. But when I started practicing nursing, you know, I, and I loved biology and just anatomy physiology was my jam. But I realized as a nurse working in the field, I was so limited, not just income wise, but just my reach might expand to, to help, you know, because I didn't want to just be stuck in a, in a setting where I, 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 I'm, and nothing, obviously I have a lot of friends that are nurses and, and hats off to them because especially with this pandemic, oh my gosh, oh, just the, the amount of work that they're doing and with the, the resources, it's just incredible. They're real life heroes. But for myself, I, I wanted to do things my way, um, you know, on my own terms, my goals and dreams were a lot bigger um, than, you know, a doctor's orders or, you know, having a patient assignment for the day. I wanted to have a global reach. And unfortunately, you can't do that when you're an employee um, working in the system. And our system is so broken, our healthcare system in this country. That's a whole nother conversation. But uh, I. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I just saw things that I just didn't agree with. And I knew that you know, what God had plans for me, because I feel like God puts our dreams and goals in each of us individually for a very unique reason. You know, I don't think our goals and dreams are, are our visions for ourselves are not just there just because. So I knew this tugging that I had at my heart was there for a reason because God wanted me to do something with it. So I decided to walk away from that career. Um, actually, uh, in 2019 and, uh, I, um, I wanted to last year. So I wanted to do something more. Um, so now I own an online health and wellness business and we're just doing amazing things in the community as far as it comes to mental health, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, because I don't think health is just physical. Obviously, I'm actually um, hosting a live event um, in Chicago uh, in January for the new year, 2021, you know, um, so it's going to be an amazing woman disrupted event. Your mess is your message. <laughs> So I'm super ah, excited for that. that. Yeah, we're going to have just an amazing lineup of speakers. And so if you're local to Chicago, come on out. Um, That's so it, great. Your message, your, your message, message, your message. And so we'll have an incredible lineup of speakers and just just an amazing, obviously social distanced and, you know, all the precautions and everything. But I feel like there's such Zoom fatigue and I, and I know I miss I miss people and just uh, being around you know, because there's something very unique about a live event and feeling people's energy in the room. And obviously with, with precautions yes. and you know, obviously I'm a nurse, so I would never jeopardize your safety, but <laughs> so we can trust exactly. you. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so if you're local to Chicago, you know, um, definitely come out. Um, it's going to be awesome. Woman, uh, woman disrupted.eventbrite.com is where you can find tickets and Okay. Um, and I wanted to just circle back before, before I get some of your social media handles too. I wanted to ask you, you know, I really resonate, especially with that idea of not being able to, you, you really can't live your life without referring to your past. You know, I feel like the past is always talking to us right. and you've talked about these, 
these things in your life that have been high, you know, they've been the core structures of your life. And I wonder, I'm curious what your relationship is with your mom now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, Ronit, because my mom lives with me actually. And she is just, and I, and I feel it's so great because, you know, with my daughter, she's two. Uh, my mom is retired now and I feel like my daughter really keeps her energy up and really gives her that um, something else to look forward to in life. Because after my mom retired from her full-time job, you know, she was the breadwinner. She was the one, you know, supporting us. And then when she took a back seat, I feel like it really hurt her self-esteem and really kind of, kind mm-hmm. of, because she would say constantly, I feel like I'm a burden. I'm like, mom, are you kidding me? Like you've done your job. We're working. We're, we're able to support you now. Like this is, this is what you worked for, right? So your daughters can one day take care of you. So I feel like it's so great that my, um, my daughter is, uh, you know, kind of her, her baby. And, <laughs> and, uh, but our, well, do you talk, do you our, and your mom talk about our stuff? relationship? Like though, stuff? Yeah. And you know, our relationship is interesting because I cannot ever, and I, that's something that I just wish if I could just change that one thing about our relationship, it would be that I could just talk to my mom about anything. And I can't, I can't. Um, There's still a lot of things that are hush hush that she just will not talk about there. I have so many questions about her past and her, you know, relationships um, with her husbands and just, you know, I want to know, I want to know so many things and and I can't, I, I, it's not allowed. So I, I do sometimes wish that because, and because that's not the kind of relationship I want with my daughter. I want my daughter to ask me anything and I'm an open book. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like with my mom and even like with my aunts and uncles, like, I don't know if it's a generational thing or what, there's still a lot of things that you just cannot ask or probe or be curious about. Um, because, you know, you have to know your place. You're, you're our child and you can't ask us these things, you know, you need to respect your elders and blah, blah, blah. So, but, you know, in our current day living, um, we have an awesome relationship, you know, we, um, are like the day-to-day things um are are great you know she's she helps me a lot she's she's the biggest supporter of my businesses and what I do and she's attended all my events and in that regard things are perfect but um but, <laughs> did, yeah. was there ever discussion of her living with your sister she she did and you know it was um uh, she, when my sister had her first daughter my mom flew my sister lives in Texas so she flew down there to help her and <laughs> they, they, you know, with her husband, they were kind of butting heads and, you know, she just feels more at home with me and my husband. So, um, which mm-hmm. I'm thankful for obviously, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. but it's just a different relationship that she has with my sister because my sister is more closed off. Um, not, not a big talker, you know, um, but with me, it's like, Hey, let's, let's chat, you know, whatever. Um, but, but yeah, so, so I do have that desire that if I could just have that potion, you know, that I could give to her and she would just open up about her life because my mom grew up very, very poor. I mean, very back in the fifties in the slums of Pakistan. And, and I always was curious about how she made her way to the States from the slums like what is that story like right it's no small thing give me that story like I want to know exactly and I ask her all the time and there's never a straight answer and there's never really like I don't even really know what schools she went to I don't even really know her level of education to be honest with you there's a lot of things I don't know about her and I wish I did but you know you 
take what you get, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's very you interesting, know? very intriguing. I can see how how that mystery would just very mis- gnaw at you. Very mysterious. So mm-hmm. your dad, um, your father, I want to ask you this because we, you and I share that sort of broken parental involvement. Did did you like? Do you have a sense of forgiveness, acceptance, or where are you with your your father? Either of them, or um, the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, ugh, that that one is so hard for me, Renee, because I I would like to say that I have forgiven, but I know I haven't. <laughs> and uh, sure. especially, you know, with my with my stepdad, my mom's current husband, who they live separately and. Gosh, that's a whole other conversation, too, because my my stepdad has another wife um, who doesn't know that we exist. And that's a whole other. I'm telling you. Wait a as, minute. I missed the oh story. You just buried God. the lead. Because, you know, I, I know we're, we're, we're like short on time and it's like this podcast could go on for six hours. But um, I did not know this. Mm-hmm. You have so many different aspects to your Oh, life. my gosh. My my mom's current husband has a, a first wife. So my mom is his second wife and the first wife doesn't even really know who we are. He never told his first wife that he is, he has another wife and he has a couple stepkids and we have always been the mystery family. And I think that's probably why he hasn't been that involved in our life is because he just didn't want to, he didn't want his wife to find out. (laughs) So he has, I have three stepbrothers. They live in Norway. I know about them. Um, and, but they don't know about us. And so they just so, think that their dad is gone, not that he remarried. Exactly. They just think that he went on a business trip. I mean, he's made a couple appearances, you know, when we got married, um, my cousin's wedding, he he flew out for a couple of days, but he always rips up his passport because he doesn't want them to see the U.S. visa, the stamp. He's, he's Goodness. very, very, oh my gosh. And then, and that's the thing I want to ask him. Then why did you marry my mother? Like, why did you do that? Like, you know, I have all these questions. I'm like, then what the <laughs> hell? And then with my mom, I'm like, mom, what were you doing marrying a married man? Like, wh-? because in our culture as Muslims, you know, we, a man can have up to four wives, but obviously when you're living in countries like the U S or Europe, you can't, you know, fully be disclosing. Um, you have to be kind of hush hush about it, but back home, I mean, yeah, my same thing with my husband, his uh, mom is, was like the third or fourth wife of my uh, father-in-law, but, um, but it impacts your, the children's life. Absolutely. Because we were always the second family, second class citizens. Um, but as far as my, my biological father, it's, it's going to be very hard for me to forgive him because I'm his flesh and blood, whether he likes to admit it or not. I have DNA <laughs> test to prove it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he knew through the grapevine, he knew through my aunts and uncles about all the years that we lived in just the worst kind of poverty and everything that we went through. And he still never reached out and never, um, never even bothered, never even, you know, um, so, so that is really hard for me, especially when he just looked me in the eye and just basically, you know, um, told me what he did and, and told me of who he thought I was. And, um, so, and my stepfather, he introduced me to my husband. Like he, he's the reason why I'm married to my husband basically. So I don't have as much beef with him, I guess, or although, you know, they're both kind of, but, but when I compare the two, (laughs) (laughs) I hear so much equivocating. Oh God. Oh my gosh, Renee. You know, it's, I think it's going to take a lot of time and more time and more healing. I've, I've already done a lot of healing work, so I'm way better than I used to be, but, um, it's, it's a journey, the, the forgiving and just the, the like true forgiving, not just saying that, Oh yeah, I forgive you, you know, whatever, but 
just that true sense of, because every time I think about it, it still brings me to tears. It's still, you know, but, but looking at my daughter and the life that I'm giving her, it's such a sense of accomplishment. Like, yeah, you know, like this is, she's not going to live that same life. Um, you know, she's going to have the love of her father and she's, because my husband and I have talked about separating before and it's like, you know, I don't want her to have that life that I did. Um, and not just broke, you know, being brought up in a broken family. And, and so I told him like, let's work this out because that's not what I want for, because my husband lived a similar life as well with, with his parents. So, um, it's it's interesting it is a legacy i mean you know like that's what i mean our parents have these they only have the resources they do but what's amazing is when you're confronted with these shortcomings or these obstacles and this is what your work is about and you turn it into something that can serve other people or or help Mm -hmm. you grow and it is a process but that's what woman disrupted is Mm -hmm. about exactly exactly it's a process there's no like you said there's no like ending there's no full stop there's no the, the journey continues, but we just have to keep elevating ourselves to that next level, that next level, that higher level, more powerful, resilient level. And our challenges is what gets us there. There's no other way. <laughs> There's really no other way. Uh, that's the stepping stone. That's right. Yeah. And it sucks, but and, that's the way. Mm-hmm. And how's your, how's your health these days? Are you, is there a remission for, for yeah, what you have? Yeah. So, you know, I immersed myself in holistic health and, um, you know, that's what I love about my background as a nurse. I bring the best of both worlds. I definitely, you know, there's some people that are so anti-modern medicine, but I feel like there's a time, there's a time and place for both. And so, um, I did a lot of self-healing through the power of holistic medicine, herbals and minerals, um, just, you know, going back what what used to be medicine thousands of years and there is still a lot of power in that right. and it's not emphasized enough so yes i'm i'm in the best health of my life that's you know how i was able to finally have my daughter right. because i i was um in such bad health for so long so she's truly my miracle baby and you know i'm i'm in a very good place now i know your event in january and you know we'll link to that as well but where can people find you on social media where's the best place to find you yeah, um, definitely Facebook. You know, I'm sure, you know, Ronit, I'm sure you'll tag yes. me and, you know, you can definitely find me through Ronit's page. Facebook is great. You can also just go to womandisrupted.com. So that way, you know, we can, I can get your info and we can connect and stuff. Um, I am on Instagram, not as much. I'm still trying to figure out Instagram. That's a whole <laughs> nother animal, but I, it's just at, you know, my full name, Sophia Hasnan is my IG. Um, but yeah, I, that's honestly the best way. Um, if you're local to Chicago, would love to connect with you, you know, um, at the event or, uh, in person, whatever you guys are comfortable with. Um, but yeah, womandisrupted.com is my new website, um, kind of talks about the mission a little bit more. Um, and then obviously womandisrupted.eventbrite.com is the link to the event. Um, but yeah, Facebook is great. Facebook messaging is great. Thank you so much for being my guest. Oh, thank you for this opportunity and I just love you so much and I I hope to actually meet in person one day. (laughs) That'd be so fun. I'd love that. Thank you for listening to And Then Everything Changed. For more on this episode, photos, and other episodes you might like, please visit atecpodcast.com. You can connect with me and learn more about episodes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram also. Just search for my name, Ronit Plank, R-O-N-I-T, 
P-L-A-N-K, and you will find all the updates. If you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe and also rate and review so other people can find it. Thank you so much for listening. 